This is Dr. David Proden, and I want to thank you as we begin another journey into school and community safety. If you're looking for industrial safety expert, Appalachian State University professor, Dr. Timothy Ludwig, please visit www.safety-doc.com. Again, that's Dr. Timothy Ludwig at www.safety-doc.com. Dot com. Low on North Carolina, they were talking about evacuating Scott and Caddy High School. So we ran over there, I met up with a couple guys there, and they weren't evacuating high school, they were getting water around it, they weren't evacuating high school yet. We met at the gas station, we pulled the gas station, they thought I was somebody coming back with National Guard, and I was there in my damn truck, the trailer, and then the, uh, we got the boat and stuff. They came over there like, man, we don't know what to do. They get rained on at the gas station, newborn kids. Uh, they with the blanket, they didn't, they didn't make sure that they got a little ID. Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. Hi, everyone. This is David Perodin, and welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast. So, Hurricane Florence. You know, last year I had Kitty Pashan on. At that time with Cajun Navy Relief, we talked about Hurricane Harvey. Katie was there as part of the rescue, and she's there right now with Hurricane Florence dealing with the aftermath. It's devastating. We're going to hear what's happening on the ground. Katie, welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast. Hey, David. Thank you for having me again. (laughs) So last year we were kind of rushed. We started the podcast, and Katie was on her phone, uh, getting out of her vehicle and getting into her house, just uh, underscoring how frenetic these type of rescue operations can be. And she did an absolutely outstanding job. You can go back and find that podcast, uh, find the blog post that went with it. And here we are a year later with another substantial hurricane, this time on the East Coast. But you're with Triton Relief Group. Can you tell us about that, what Triton Relief Group is? So uh, a lot of the members of Triton Relief were former members of Cajun Navy Relief as well, but we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are, you know, doing our charity and support volunteer work through providing rescue with boats, shelter, uh, supply distribution, livestock rescue, you know, the same thing that we did last year, just under a different organization name, and we are you know, registered with the IRS and recognized by the state of Louisiana. So if somebody wants to find uh, your website, wants to donate to support Triton Relief Group, um, how can they do that? They can go to tritonrelief.org. Okay. Um, We're on Facebook and Twitter as well. Okay, so cash um, donations. And and what if someone is saying, um, hey, I have a boat, I have resources, I have warehouse space in that region, I'm willing to donate. Um, how do they interface? Is it, is it uh, email on there? Or do, they, do they contact somebody directly, a phone number? Or how does that work? 
So on our website, we've got a link for a volunteer, meaning if you've got a boat and you want to come out and do water rescue, we ask everybody to register under that so that we can get all of your contact information, whatever skills you may have, um, special training certifications, vetted and get you into the system. We do run background checks. That's something we've got to do, which I'm sure people can understand. Sure. And um, that goes for people that if they don't want to donate monetaries, they've got 18 wheelers or a specific business. Uh, for instance, RX bars contacted me. There's that link as well. They can go in under volunteer and fill that into to what supplies they've got as well as a rescue for help. There's a help button on there. So that way when we are working active rescues, we've got an OS ticket system that we work out of and, um, keep track of it all through there. Yeah, that's. And I want to get into that in a little more detail. Last time we spoke, um, you were working with the app Zello, which had, I checked, 14 employees, and it has scaled up since then. Um, and, and it's also become um, more aware of needing to preserve the privacy of, of individuals. So can you tell us how you're, you are using the Zello app and how it has um, uh, kind of grown over the last year mm. as a rescue tool? So we started using Zello back in 2016 in Louisiana during the 2016 flood. And it, we've become much more organized with it um, now. We have a public channel, Triton Relief, that's you know open to public. So if, if they don't have cell service or they're trying to contact one of us, we, that channel is open to the public. Then we have private channels that we have for our boaters. And we try to, you know, separate the channels. For instance, we had a North Carolina channel and a South Carolina channel. And it's password protected so that we can contact each other and share privy information to address, name, phone number of flood victims. Okay. So if I understand this correctly, and and for those who are, are just you know, listening to the show and, and trying to understand your role. Um, people are, are using different means like Facebook Messenger and, and other means to ask for help. And then it is you are um, using the Zello app to go out and then contact specific rescuers and say, we received uh, a request from this location and we are dispatching you to this location. And, and here's the information. Am I correct? Or pretty close Correct. in how that works. Okay. Um, so tell me, uh, you know, how who who pays for for you being out there and everybody else um, in this rescue organization? Where do the dollars come to support this? So um, nobody gets. You know, I'm not paid on this. My boaters, um, other dispatchers, nobody is making an income off of this. When our guys are running low on fuel, which we have experienced a lot of this go around because diesel has been impossible to find, it comes from, you know, monetary donations. And some of my family members, some of other organization family members have been sending monetaries in so that we can directly send this guy 50 to $100 or whatever the case may be. Um, and it's really just kind of getting the word out to people, making them aware of what our organization is, what we're about, and that way, you know, if they want the tax write-off at the end of the year, they've sure. got it. <laughs> sure, that's a, and I will make sure that this is linked out um, 
consistently throughout the YouTube version and then also on the blog post. And if anyone scrolls down in the um, MP3 version of the show for description, all this information will be available. Um, so let's let's talk about what you are seeing right now um, on the ground when you're going out. What what I, I I've seen the images of of the interstate, like Interstate 40, I believe, which now looks like a river. But of course, these are just small parts you are seeing in in being part of the stories. Tell me about this devastation. There's people on rooftops. There's people stuck in attics. Um, I'll go ahead and share you share this story with you. Um, our our volunteers are on seeing unbelievable devastation. Our boaters are being flagged down by people standing on the side of the road needing help. We have people contacting us on our website and Facebook. While on our way to a call, a group of our boaters were flagged down by nine people trapped in an attic. They were waiting for local help that could not make it out there. Instead of our guys waiting, they detoured and helped escape all nine people. That's amazing. Oh, my um, goodness. Another, you know, another quick example was an elderly couple in their 70s. We had contacted fire or EMS to do a welfare check. The sun had actually gone on our face, our tritonrelief.org, and submitted a welfare check for his family. Uh, we were told by the local authorities it would be a day or two before they could get out there to do a welfare check. So at about three o'clock in the morning, I had two guys, um, three guys, first comes to mind, Adam Bass. They went out, did a welfare check, and in front of the subdivision, local EMS was posted up sleeping. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so what's... What is different um, that you are noticing between this rescue and, for example, Hurricane Harvey just, just a year ago? Uh, is, is the technology better? Um, are people being better informed? Um, are you receiving better cooperation or not? Or what, are the, what are the differences? What's working better? What's not working better? What's changed in a year? I mean, we want to see growth. Or what if you, what from your organization, this is, you know, you've been doing this for a while and there were even, you know, images of Katie um, scrubbing mold off of walls <laughs> in people's homes, yeah. you know, so, so you're doing every aspect of this. And so certainly you've learned much, but what, what's changed in the last year, I guess, for, for the better? And then what hasn't changed that, or, or what, or what's gotten kind of worse? What is inhibiting the rescues? So as far as our organization, Triton, goes, we have become much more organized. Um, we're following FEMA emergency guidelines, and it's helped all of our teams run very smoothly. Uh, we have a perfect chain of command ticket system that runs smoothly. Um, you know, hours of operation in it, to an extent for our volunteers that are dispatching because you can't stay up for three days straight all night. Right. You know? have to do shift work so as far as that goes we're, we're much more organized and we've learned a lot from this go so we'll revisit that after as far as the bureaucratic red tape yes um, it's been very difficult to assist these areas in North and South Carolina we um, have been held back by a lot of the small towns they um, really don't have the equipment and the needs 
or the mean, or I should say they don't have the equipment or the means right. to help. So they need the outside resources, but we have suffered extremely with the EOCs across the board, not necessarily the senators and governors of North and South Carolina. They've been extremely grateful, but the state and federal EOC management has been something I've never experienced. You know, in 2016, I ran boats and flatbeds. Yes. Last year, I ran boats and Blackhawks and C-130s. Yes, absolutely. And this year, I couldn't even get a boat in the water. And that's happening from a federal level is what you're saying. So the cooperation is, is largely there at a state and local, but it's being inhibited by the federal level, which is really FEMA. Is when I can get on the phone with a sheriff of the specific town, Bolivia, North Carolina, and him tell us his town's underwater. He would love the help. They need the help. But he can't make that call. He has to pass it to EOC. Right. And, and, and then we're, we're shut out, roadblocked. And see, that's, that's terrifying to hear because your resources are needed. And this is life-saving. And uh, Katie and I had talked about this uh, prior to starting the show. But actually, the 10th Amendment of the United States Constitution allows for civilian rescues to occur. And on September 11, 2001, in um, New York City with the Twin Tower attacks out of Lower Manhattan Battery Park, 500,000 people were rescued by boat, um, by tugboats, mostly tugboats, um, some Coast Guard boats, um, leisure tour boats, that this mix of, of boats, Admiral Loy, had made an all call saying, anybody that has a boat, come and help with the rescue. 500,000 people rescued in nine hours. That's the way it is supposed to work through the 10th Amendment. So the barriers that you are facing, um, it's it's extremely disheartening, extremely disheartening for me to hear that. And mm -hmm. this is where um, we, you know, we need legislative action to say with, with FEMA, when we do have a recognized 500, 3C organization willing to inject their resources to save lives. We have to allow that to happen because if we don't, um, it is only going to progressively deteriorate and it, it's going to deteriorate into the number of, of lost lives. I mean, property is one thing, but lost lives, as you said, people on rooftops. Um, so has, has there been any, any off the record conversations where people or, or any, because I, I think last time when we talked about Harvey, there was some cooperation with some levels of FEMA, as long as it wasn't like formally documented or? Um, I have a very good friend that I acquired last year during Harvey, and he is military and DOD. So he helped me a lot, get the Blackhawks in there, the C-130s. Um, and he's been just as frustrated with the resistance um like we him and i chatted earlier you know unfortunately there will be some sort of death toll but uh, and this is yeah I, i'm not exact but uh when last i heard it was at 31 right now um that could have easily been prevented right you know i shared that number today with some people and they were surprised of of they thought well you know 
maybe eight, maybe 10 people, but why, why do we have 31 people? I mean, we knew this was coming in. And I think what you're sharing is the fact that we're just not able to mobilize. And the fact we're not able to mobilize is bureaucratic um, over more of a, of a mechanical or logistical means of, of that could happen. I mean, if it was prioritized by EOC um, or Emergency Operating Command, um, kind of comes under this bigger picture of instant command system or FEMA would be the one calling the shots. This, this, and this, Katie, I've never heard of on the news. It never makes the news. It's not in it the doesn't. papers. Um, I did, I did get um, some traffic via email uh, when Hurricane Florence hit. Uh, some people that knew we had done the show previously that were asking uh, just some general questions of of how to to seek help and things like that. Um, but this this is so disturbing um, for me. I mean, I'm, go I'm going to work with, I said I have uh, some connections in the 10th Amendment Center, and I can't imagine that legislators are going to stand by when it can be any state where this could happen um, and not stand up and say, you know, we are going to put in place whatever I don't know if it's a access clause or immunity clause or, or where you will default this down to the local EOC that is in charge of that area. Kind of, I think, the way wildfires operate a little bit differently. Like, I've, I've studied this. It, it seems like that gets, gets brought down more to a local yes. um, management level. Mm -hmm. and, and I think also what happens, um, I, had, I had written about this in my book, Lessons of Lower Manhattan. So many times last year, for example, and it was it was in the past, but last year on the news, it would be Cajun Navy, Cajun Navy to the rescue. And you pointed out, well, there are many people who loosely affiliate with Cajun Navy or different rescue systems when you were actually affiliated with Cajun Navy Relief and now Triton Relief Group, which is a 5013C. Mm -hmm. And what happens then is once you get people in these organizations who, who tag on and, and probably shouldn't authentically be in these organizations, it, it raises some question maybe with these, these, um, these towns and these local EOCs. But, but you're saying they're, they're willing, they want the help. So I, I don't know why FEMA is, um, <laughs> this, this is beyond absurd to me why why FEMA is putting this this barrier um, up. But I guess the other point is it's not really, I mean, it's impeding you because it's not allowing the, uh, the straight line, the smooth access, but you're like, we're still doing this because it's the right thing to do. This is what our organization is about. So tell me how that works when you kind of don't get the FEMA assistance but still, you, you make your inroads and do what you need to do to the best you can. Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin, author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. 
Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. relationship work um it was we experienced it in 2016 and it was a little frustrating nothing like this um you know in the beginning of last week before florence was expected to hit we were all making eoc contact ahead of time to send our our 501c3 paperwork in uh, you know prior to us having boots on the ground and establish that relationship um and that didn't work. So we would um, really just kind of get our guys, uh, log into our ticket system, see what was coming in, check Facebook, Twitter, uh, and just really start stalking and looking for hurricane pages on Facebook groups that had been created and finding rescue needs or requests online and making it happen. If you know, our guy, I had some guys that were in Dillon, South Carolina, and they were like, Pishon, there's some water here, you know, and I said, then drop your boat and go start sweeping houses. And they right. sure, sure as hell did that. And the first house that they come on to was a lady by the name of Miss Ruby, who was an amputee. Oh, my goodness. Her and her, her husband, we got into the boat and dropped them off at their family. Thankfully, they had family close enough that didn't have water, but we would have brought them to a shelter had that been the case. So it was, it, you know, there's still areas taking on water. Yeah, that was one thing um, that I noticed. So locally here in Wisconsin, we had record uh, rainfall of over 20 inches in Dane County, where Madison, the state capital, is located uh, close by us. And, and they had areas that were, um, you know, flooded inundated and water was still rising for like two weeks after the rain had stopped and then maybe another week before water started to recede and that was something i hadn't seen before and as i'm watching the amount of rain i'm you know looking at the rainfall totals in north carolina and as the storm moves inward and 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 i'm like oh my goodness like the what what people i think overlook is when they think hurricane they're thinking about you know the the damage of roofs being ripped off and, and trees and power lines down and that's part of it but the right. probably more substantial lasting part for for weeks if not months is are, are the floods because now the flooding starts everything is saturated and the water starts coming up and there it's a little bit different than like a houston where you know, water has a place to flow kind of naturally to the, to the Gulf, I, Houston, and its relation to the elevation and, and, and all of that, where here you're not going to have this drainage occurring nearly at the pace. Um, so we're going to have extreme issues. And then with the heat, with, with you know, mold and disease and all of these things coming into play. Um, so, yeah, tell me, tell me about what is happening with the flooding. Uh, I, I've seen... And, and you also mentioned livestock too. I mean, I've seen barns where only the roof is showing; the rest is all underwater. And and this is what people, I think, completely overlook. And you know that really it, it bothers me because you know that some of these areas are big on farming and have you know large amounts of livestock. 
In 2016, in Louisiana, there was a shelter, Kara's House, um, in Ascension Parish. They, their entire shelter flooded, but what they did ahead of time was they went to an expo center, Lamar Dixon, and put all of their animals there, livestock as well, cats and dogs, for, I probably worked with them for about eight to ten months. And there, yes, there was a loss, but nothing like you're seeing right now. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, the numbers um, are, are in the millions, you know, for whether it be poultry or, or livestock. Um, so I, I want to I bring this, this image out for people. So it's not like this is 10 miles away from your house. I mean, how far did you personally have to travel to be a part of, of this rescue? I, you know, thankfully have not, but I have guys that have come from Texas, Louisiana, Florida, Maryland, Virginia, Georgia. I actually have some guys that went home to Louisiana, went home to Georgia, and are now back on their way because they're, you know, we're we're getting feedback over our Zello that they're still flooding and it's it's not going anywhere. So these guys, out of their own pockets and the help of our monetaries, have gone home and now are coming back. Um, and you know. North and South Carolina experienced Hurricane Matthew a couple years ago, but the last big storm was in 1989, Hugo. Right, right. You know, Louisiana, Texas, Florida, we kind of get these every year, but you would think after the last two years with 2016 floods that was just from rain and then Hurricane Harvey last year, people would take the necessary steps ahead of time, but that was not done. Yes. Uh, so... Tell me, I mean, tell me your your take on that because I I thought definitely um, with Harvey there was a much more aggressive campaign to exit people, and it seemed like it was much more passive with Hurricane Florence, um, and a, a lot of people should have gone further inland, but but there wasn't this urgency coming out from you know the governor and and. Yeah and things and and i'm like oh my goodness like i remember you know like the interstate well, i know the i4 coming out of of florida and then you know on, on both sides as they as they were doing this and i'm like ooh, like they're they're really underestimating um how they're going to weather this especially mm -hmm. the flooding aspect of it which is you know what is what is happening right now um i, I want to go to a, a point you brought up um, as we prepared for this show, and it is, you know, we, we're asking who are the people who are, you know, the boots on the ground that you're dispatching to do the rescues. And in the last year, um, Triton Relief Group has brought in, I mean, some incredible guys, incredible talent, I, I experience, expert, you know, t expertise that rivals, um, if not surpasses, you know, what we would think of a traditional volunteer, you know, uh, fire department or, or things like not, not to, um, you know, not to denigrate those organizations, but, right. but th this is, this is just not a group of people that get together, you know, at a, um, at a hall one time a month and, and talk rescue stuff. These, these are people who are, you know, military veterans who have extensive training in different levels of, um, 
of, of rescue and operations and large machinery. So if you can tell me what this crew looks like, because I, Katie, I think that also underscores the fact of, um, I mean, we are keeping at a FEMA level, when I say we, it's not me, it's FEMA, obviously is keeping out a very um, capable group of people to do this rescue. So tell me about these these people. Um, so one that I want to bring in when we can, Jamie. Jamie um, runs a charter in South, South Carolina, Charleston, Redfish Mafia. He's a boat captain, got his Coast Guard. Some certification I can't even remember because it's so incredible. But we've got um, a group of guys from a um, Bowfish Association of Americas that have airboats, Bowfish boats, that are some active lieutenants in the Navy, um, some ex-Army deployed, you know, two deployments to Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, Swiftwater rescue divers, uh, you know, trained, licensed, certified. But, you know, unfortunately, is what's happening is they're going up to these uh, staging areas, EOC, you know, command centers, and they're not in military uniform or they're not in, you know, whatever certification they may have behind them uniform. They're in plain clothes, but they're not some, you know, redneck coon ass from the backwoods. Right. These guys have training and experience probably more so than some of these local guys and not to discredit them. But these guys have the training. Right. Yeah. And and what you want, obviously, is mutual aid. Anybody who is capable to uh, come in and contribute to this to this rescue force is what it is. And and sometimes, you know, when I was doing research, um, you know, people that that is one thing. One is systems develop, and and people know their place in systems. We saw that in the nine eleven harbor rescue. We saw it with Cajun Navy relief with Harvey. We saw it in Joplin, and, and there's other examples, the Murrah bombing and, and so forth. Um, but you know, it, it is so frustrating. Do are are is, is there a request? Are they saying, if you can show us this type of identification or this type of credentials, we'll let you participate? Has that happened or not? Or what, what, so, what does that look like? Um, Jamie actually can speak on that. He can tell you about a specific um, incident that took a, occurred either yesterday or the day before. Okay. And he has... Um, been boots on the ground for days now witnessing all of the resistance and things you it's probably going to blow your mind what he has to say well let's get to him in just a second i have one question yet um do you have any um any any awareness of the drone the commercial drone operator uh community because they they have been contacting me i did do are they a few shows. Yes, they were frustrated. Uh, I did a few shows with Preston Rice, who is a commercial drone operator in Wisconsin last year, um, literally a few weeks before the, the hurricanes, um, Harvey and Irma had hit. And, and um, it, then it seemed to, to resonate a lot with the drone community of wanting to help. Um, and I, I received, again, you know, emails and different communications in the last week or so of people saying, I've got my commercial drone, like I'm ready to help out and I can't interface with anybody or I'm coming down and I'm, I'm being told no. Um, now, I know there are some software limitations to some of these things um, per talking with Preston of saying, 
you know, if you have five different drone operators with different drones and you're, you're trying to, to do certain areas, the software is not quite sophisticated enough to like break it up into quadrants. But that's a pretty weak excuse for turning down volunteers that have 4K resolution, um, infrared ability to go out and to sweep an area and to create create a mosaic. I mean, this is something, it, it's a very minor obstacle for the technical expertise of right. a couple software engineers to, to work through. Um, but yeah, they were extremely frustrated. Their, their um, response back to me is, it's not better um, at all. Like it is completely unchanged. And actually it's probably worse because last yeah. year they didn't know who to go to. And now when they actually do interface with someone, they're just flat out told no. And they're facing the same roadblocks as us. Yeah. Um, I actually had one of our guys in boats um, come over and speak about this yesterday. And from my understanding, it's all the FFA um, and they're issuing major violations to people. Really? See that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so again, this, this is so frustrating because it seems that that should be obviously waived. I mean, that we should, <laughs> we should have that waived. And there should be this FEMA waiver that goes into place. Um, and I guess it's some, it, see, this is, this is where we get into this tricky part. And is it, is it Jason we can bring in in just a second? Um, but yep. this is where we get into a tricky part because it's, at some point it's, it's going to be, um, will there be like a certification or, or something that you will have, um, you know, once you're in a, let's say Triton Relief Group that you actually have a, a card that has like um yes. scannable saying here's your identity not that and, and I want to make a clear distinction. Not that that means that your group has to go through specific training or has to pay fees, but it's some way to verify it's just like an ID basically saying, Yes, here's the this person. They are a member of our group. We scan this, we know they're on scene, we know here's their skill set and they're accounted for and we also we also know if we need to mobilize that oh my goodness like we have these three people a system needs to emerge out of fema to account for this and it is anyone listening out there this is completely ridiculous and irresponsible um for for fema after well one we had between um harvey and irma fema uh, finally gave up on last year. It was, you know, having people call 911, which quickly became overwhelmed and went down to, to um, people were on the move. You know, it's, it, it was insane too, because people would be like, well, I don't know what County I'm in. I just drove 120 miles in the dark. So I don't know where I'm at. Um, but then, you know, they're using Facebook and messenger and, and they're using Zello. And so what you're doing, Katie, um, and through your organization is you're meeting people with the technology that they are using. And, and that is something that FEMA is not ready also to accept. So you're way ahead of the game. You can scale quickly, um, but this barrier is completely ridiculous. Anybody listening to this, um, you have to be as appalled as I am mm. that I am, I am talking right now and you're, and you're hearing Katie and, it, and soon you're gonna hear you know, someone who's, who's boots on the ground of saying, we have these resources which are being held back um, strictly at a federal level. We, we, if you were in these communities, I remember last year, you told me about a, a community that had rapid rising water 
fire department, I think, with one boat, maybe two boats. Mm-hmm. And they, they called and they said, we're flooding. We need help now. And boom, you were there. Like you coordinated and got the people uh, matched, you know, in, in with boats. And, and why, again, I, the bureaucratic part of this doesn't make any sense because it's, it's through the 10th Amendment, this should pass down. It, it does seem like it passes to the states and local and, and they're willing to bring you in and then FEMA is the barrier. So um, I, I'm super frustrated by that and bringing the frustration, but I don't want the show to get lost in that frustration. I want the show to kind of come back to um, that. I, I fully believe, Katie, that what you're doing and Triton Relief Group, this is the future. And it's just a fact that FEMA has to either catch up with it or has to step back there is something at play here too. It's called social contract theory, um, and and I wrote about this in, in my book, um, and and talked to some other professionals uh, about this, and what it what it really means uh, social to boil it down, it's like when um, the government um, with the Patriot Act, like we gave up some rights. Um, of, of privacy and you know when we go to airports that we take our shoes off and things like that in exchange for alleged you know security so that's trade-off but right now when the government feels like it can't do the rescue and the social contract has been broken they want to prevent anyone else from going in and restoring that social contract so it's this weird psychology and someone pointed that out to me and said dave this is a lot deeper there's this whole thing where the government fears that the social contract is broken and if they can't be the one to be the savior in these situations that they will roadblock the organizations that will substitute in as a social contract and i it never made sense to me until i had that discussion but i'm like that is what's happening here it's kind yeah. of like if we if we can't do it instead of partnering which makes sense Correct. being the partner we are just going to block you because we don't want people to start believing that we're not capable of scaling. And I don't think today anyone would fault and say, listen, you know, we it's all hands on deck. Why are you preventing right. this? So it, that's I, what really it boils. It comes down to in a nutshell is that, you know, we're not trying to work against EOCs or anything. We would like to work with them. And, you know, whether they think that they have the situation under control or not, that they don't. There's no way. Right. And they need the outside resources. So either work with us or we're going to continue to do the efforts and make things happen. It's just very easier. Right. It's easy to, to work together. <laughs> it's so it, frustrating. It is. And, and, and locally, uh, we had uh, the duck boats. Um, now, people probably remember duck boats in the news because there was a, a modified duck boat which sank in Arkansas. It was taken out in, in very adverse weather conditions. But we're talking here of, of um, duck boats um, in Wisconsin Dells. Uh, people can, can look that up. But they have the boats and the drivers, you know, the industry has been around for 50, 60 years for tourism, but um, the the companies take their boats and donate them to the communities with drivers to go and help people get to their homes to recovery or else go to the homes to do recovery if um, fire, EMS, and county doesn't have the amphibious vehicles to do it. And that's fully embraced, um, this partnership. And it is, it's also precarious because the question is like, who has the liability in case something happens? And, and I don't know, but um, but it is fully embraced. Like it, on our news here, it is, it's celebrated. It's, it's front page. 
and huh. it's not an obstacle. But this isn't as large as what anything like what you're talking about with FEMA. Um, and yeah, it's it's this whole thing of um, you're right that this this need for a partnership, and I, I fully believe it comes down to this whole psychological social contract theory, um, because there there are some studies that say once um, a, a population starts to see that it can kind of um, uh, have organic rescues and do this itself, it doesn't value the the government as, as strongly, and and to me I think that's that's overplayed but I, I so basically again going back to the point of the government is saying if if we we can't do it nobody else is going to do it because we don't want to be proven that we don't have the ability to scale on this and it's like okay you know no one is blaming you no one is we're saying though work together let us help so uh who are you going to bring in okay so jamie huff is actually a friend of mine, very dear friend, who is a Charleston resident. And Jamie did a lot for me last year during Harvey. Well, we partnered up and let's see. And he has experienced some significant struggles okay. during uh Jamie is um, a boat captain. He runs a Redfish Mafia charter. <laughs> Okay. He's been on the news a lot here lately. Okay. Now. Okay. Jamie? Hey, Jamie. Hey, what's up? How are you? You want to go ahead and turn your video on or? Yeah, I'm trying. Okay. He, Jamie was out today at the South Carolina EOC feeding 185 National Guard. Oh, wow. Wow. Thank you so much. Yo, no worries. Yeah, I enjoyed doing it. It was, uh, it was pretty fulfilling. Got it? Filling and fulfilling. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. You know, we, uh, there was actually 105 National Guardsmen showed up. They had they had some guys uh, that were tasked out right before we got there, and uh, they would fed the sheriff's office. And um, as we were leaving, we had about another 50 or 60 chicken breasts and burgers, um, and the fire department was coming over to eat. So, can you so see me? I I actually can't see you. I can hear you. Um... Oh, I don't want to share my screen. Okay. I can see me on the big screen right now. <laughs> I think I can. All right. Now you are. Yeah. yeah. Now I can. Perfect. Uh, it's a little. It's a little dark in here. Sorry. I got a three-hour drive back to the house. If I find a gas station with a bunch of lights on, I'll swing in there so you can uh, so you can see me a little better. Okay. What else? So, so tell I'm me what we're be- doing. What, yeah. what are we doing? What are we talking about? Um, yeah, I, I think if you can tell me what you are seeing, I mean, the type of rescues and also the cooperation and the lack of cooperation. And, and as you just said, you, you were involved with feeding National Guard. So, I mean, you're there helping in a support role, but there's so much more you could be doing that you're not being um, allowed to do because you're not getting the cooperation out of FEMA, if I'm correct. 
Uh, well, it's not FEMA. Okay. Uh, most of the places we've been, FEMA hadn't even stepped in yet. Um, the cooperation that we're not seeing is, and I, you know, until this year, I ain't never even heard of an EOC. I didn't know there was such thing as an EOC. I know what an operations manager is, or you know, resource operations manager and stuff like that. But I ain't never heard of a of a uh, emergency operations manager. I, I just assumed there was a state level of FEMA and a national level of FEMA. Um, obviously, the state level of FEMA would have a different name, and I guess that's the EOC. But <clears throat> that's the issue we're running into: is that no nobody wants to be the ones to say yeah come on come help because the minute they give you permission to come help something happens they're liable so it's such a litigious society as we have right now it's i mean for lack of a better way to put it the fact that people are afraid of getting sued right means that people people are dying in their houses right now right they're drowning in their houses because the fire departments are scared they're going to get sued you know, or the city councilman scared they're going to get sued, um, which is, is, I mean, I don't want to cuss, but it's horseshit. You know, it really pisses me off. Honestly, it really frustrates me to death that, I mean, that's why I'm up here cooking because I can't sit at home twiddling my thumbs, watching the Dadgum Weather Channel for another week, knowing that I've got the skill set and the resources to be a hundred percent self-sufficient. You know, I've got some swift water training. I've got a merchant mariner license. I've been a charter boat captain for 23 years. Driving a I can drive a boat in my sleep and blindfolded. Um, you know, I got CPR training, first aid training. I've got the same triage kit in the back of my truck right now that paramedics carry with them in ambulance. There's a lot of things that I could be doing to help these guys out. Um, but instead of even taking the time to talk to us and find out what's going on, what what kind of um, resources we have, and what kind of um, uh, skill set we have they just they would rather they'd rather just send us away now i understand there's a bunch of guys out there that don't have the skill set they don't have the resources they're not self-sufficient they're going to be waiting down the fire department you know eating their food using their water whatever the case may be um and and they're in the fire departments are worried they're going to have to go rescue the rescue right right i get all that i get all that but that's why you sign up with an operation like triton relief because when you sign up they vet you you tell them what you have. They figure out if you're lying or not. And then you, you're, you've you got a blanket policy covering you. I've got a $2 million liability policy that covers me no matter what I'm doing because of being a charter captain. Okay. Um, you know, I pay for it every month. I mean, th- there's things that they can ask and ways of us for us to reassure them. So when Triton Relief turns their 501c3 paperwork into the state, the state, at that point in time, it's easy for them to say, instead of having to look at all of us who are coming to help and see if we're qualified, Triton Relief has already made sure that we're qualified. they got to look at one set of paperwork. Right. And the the problem, I even got an email the other night basically saying from our local news anchor in Charleston, and it was from the state saying that, you know, this is why we don't want volunteers to help. But it didn't say you can't help. It just said, these are the reasons we really don't want you to help. So I ran into some situations in, uh, I don't want to say the name of the town, but up the road. And we're working it out now. But we actually had uh, a city councilman driving a, um, a military vehicle yell out his window at us the other night, go the F back to wherever y'all came from. There's about 10 of us in boats in the parking lot at a general dollar, a dollar general. 
after we had already been doing welfare checks, wellness checks and rescues for about two and a half hours. And we came and regrouped because we heard we were going to be needed somewhere else. And the fire department, uh, fire chief and a couple other guys were in the fire department, like Escalade or whatever, in the parking lot. And I just went up and talked to them and tell them who I was. And, I, you know, I tell them right off the bat, I don't ever drop the, hey, I got a captain's license. That's right, not me. Right. But in this situation, if you tell them you have a merchant mariner document and they know what that is, then they know that you've got some at least basic training, if not advanced training. Um, and they know that you're way less to be a liability. And that's, that's, so that's the first thing I tell them. And, you know, they were like, all right, nice to meet you. So we're here if you need us. We're not getting your way. We've got our own dispatch system and we have some calls and, and, oh, well, you know, we're, we're pretty good. We, we can handle it. We can, I said, well, how come nobody's back there checking on these old people that I'm checking on that have two and three feet of water in the house? And they're telling me that when they made 911 calls, they were told that somebody would be there to check on them in a day or two, a day or two. Yeah, now, that, that man doesn't ridiculous. have it. If that 65, 75-year-old man doesn't have his Lipitor or he didn't have his blood thinner, he didn't have his heart medication, that son of a gun might be dead in two days. Right. And it won't even be from the floods. It'll be because nobody took the time to go check on them because they triage and stuff incorrectly. You know? So that guy that's 35 years old and has two feet of water in his house, just because you might know him doesn't mean you need to go pick him up before you pick up the old man that doesn't have any medication. And from what I've seen, I mean, two feet of water can quickly become four feet to six feet of water. I mean... Well, you know, flooding is, is only increasing with the amount of, of, of rainfall. Um, the ground is saturated. And so, so what are you doing right now? Like you're driving somewhere. Where are you at right now? Like in gen, in general, like, man, I just, uh, I canceled. I'm, I'm a, like I said, I'm a charter captain and tournament fisherman. So I had a charter for tomorrow. I canceled it. Um, and we came up here to feed these national guardsmen and, uh, it's three hours away from my house. So. Okay. I had another another buddy of mine, Jim Carroll, met me. He, he lives in Myrtle Beach, so he borrowed a big flat top propane grill, and uh, he met me at um, the Sherall Middle School uh, to feed these guys. And now I'm on the way back to my house, and I've already got my girl Sally lined up to uh, possibly head up to uh, Burgall or Wilmington on Friday and help with. At this point, they're saying that a lot of it's not search and rescue anymore; search and recover. Okay. Um, if it if it's a recover uh, issue, by the time I roll up there, I'm thinking about going tomorrow and canceling my trip on Thursday. But um, so so what's something that Jamie that's worked out? I mean, what is something when you've got to a community and and they've embraced and they said, yeah, yeah, come on in and and work with us. Well, here's the deal: when I went to Texas, it was such a bad situation when I got down there. It was still raining; the storm was still going on. We got there like right after the eye had moved over orange and stuff <clears throat> and it's a little different situation with the flooding there but when we got there that was a, such a bad situation we we got off the highway and went down the main road there i think it's 86 or 85 into uh orange and when when it got uh oh hang on oh uh, i guess somebody called me in sorry um when it got too deep for the truck, we just put the boat in and went to work and started grabbing folks left and right, pulling them out left and right, and never saw a city or town official ever, not one time. We saw some National Guard, and that was it. And then up here, it's like, you know, go to the fire department and stage up 
and we've sent them our paperwork and all this. And I didn't know I didn't know anything about paperwork until this time, uh, this storm, because North Carolina, South Carolina keep harping on this paperwork. And I understand that that, that a, there's a lot of like media hype and all about these crews from Louisiana and Texas. And I mean, there's a lot of media hype right now. And it, it's getting out of hand. There's a lot of guys that aren't doing it correctly. There's a lot of guys that don't know how to triage. There's a lot of guys that don't carry safety equipment with them. There's a lot of guys that do. They do become a liability for these fire departments. Um, but what they what's happening is that they're they're putting us all in the same basket. Um, the, right. the the problem the problem is we're showing up. Our job is to show up prior to the National Guard coming in, prior to FEMA coming in. We're supposed to get there show up ideally when these people have two feet of water in their house to talk them into getting out not dying period and then but but unfortunately what happens we're getting there and it's early and these guys are not in a dire situation yet and they're telling us that they don't need us although we know they're gonna need us right they're gonna need us we know it it's a fact um lumberton we showed up and the fire department took us in they said you can stay here um we'll feed you you know, we'll do anything and everything we can to make your stay here and uh, to make every everything, you know, perfect for you in Lumberton so that you guys are able to adequately and efficiently help us save lives. They were absolutely phenomenal. Um, they were the, the fire chief. Instead of like having secret meetings and stuff, he'd pull us outside. He said, listen, the levee just breached. He, he told us everything that we needed to know to know yeah. where to go and what to do. Um, granted, you know, when the levee ble- breached, it took a long time for the water to get to where, instead of it just trickling in to where it was actually flooding houses. Well, by that time we had to make a decision. Do we stay here and get trapped in here? Cause there's only one way in and out at that point, or do we go somewhere else where we can be, you know, we, we can be more utilized more and on a, I guess on a multi-day level, but we could decide how many days, um, and that's what people forget, man. They think that we just, I don't know if people think we get paid to do, I don't know what the deal is, but people think we can just go for like two weeks. I mean, all these guys have jobs. We all have families. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is a critical uh, part to point out because people don't have an understanding. And I think what you've, you've shared is, is um, there's some media coverage and then it's this blanket term of, of boat rescuers and, and, and but it really comes down and and Katie had made this point too of you know once you get into Triton Relief Group, I mean you have a five a five oh one three C, you've done background checks, you have high competency of membership that you should be met with um, you know, whatever agency you're interfacing with and that they would um, say, Okay, here's the skill sets that you have, here's how you can interface with us. I mean it's mutual aid in fire departments, you know, when fire departments have they, you know, have to call in 20 fire department, uh, 20 agencies for a wildfire or something like that um, yeah. that haven't worked together. Um, they are, they're doing that. Um, and this is something where this type of barrier, um, and, and I guess what I'm, what I'm perceiving from you is like, it's, it's worse this, it's worse with Hurricane uh, Florence than it was last year with, with Harvey or with Irma. Um, as far as like people, the the, the bureaucratic the, the or the bureaucracy part saying, you know, thanks for being here, but nope, we've got it. And you're like, no, you don't have it. Like you don't have it at all. Let us help. 
I, I equate it to this. I equate it to uh, uh, you see me on the sidewalk or at my house or on the job site, and I'm trying to put a nail in the deck with a brick. And then, I, you know, you come along with a hammer. And I'm like, no, man, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think about. I'm like, there's no way. You got 3,000 people here that need to be pulled out. You got nine dudes working in your volunteer fire department. And right. there's a huge chance that I have more training, non-fire-related training, than most of the volunteer firemen. You know, I was arguing with a guy on Facebook yesterday. He's like, well, you guys are liability. You got to let the USAR teams do their job. I'm like, well, we're there three or four days before the USAR teams, first of all. Second of all, those dudes show up with hard-bottom Zodiac inflatable boats without board motors. They cannot go where airboats go. It is impossible. We, we find ourselves in situations where it's 10 feet deep in a neighborhood, and then there's a hump in the neighborhood and it's dry for 150 yards and those houses don't have an ounce of water in them then it's 10 or 12 feet deep on the other side of that hump how are you going to take that zodiac over there to get those people out we can drive that airboat over that hump on the asphalt wow in the I middle didn't of the road take that airboat over there katie's got a picture she sent an airboat with somebody who was injured sent the airboat to the emergency room on the on the road because there was no ambulances to get the guy to the er now, that is an incredible story. I, I mean, this is, see, this is what people don't know. They don't know the capabilities, and that is much different equipment also that you are bringing into this scene uh, that is not native to that scene, and, right. and that this equipment can be utilized. Um, so I am, how about um, uh, drone operators? Um, I, I was sharing with Katie that I was contacted by some commercial drone operators, um, who were turned away, um, saying that they, you know, they wanted to conduct um, reconnaissance, um, yeah. and and uh, you know, again, they were they were told, nope, you know, you can't lift the drone off because if you do, we're going to fine you. And well, that, that's a that's a whole different ballgame. I'll tell you why. There's some FAA regulations that deal with um, emergency situation is states of emergency. For instance, um, you can't. I can't take a picture of a dead body and put it on Facebook. Right. Right. Those people fly that drone up there. There is no telling what they're going to get pictures of that. I mean, they might take a picture of a dead body and the family finds out because of their drone footage that's on the Internet that their relative is dead. And then who's freaking out then? You know, you think that EOC is going to be getting phone calls then? Holy hell. So, I mean, there's a lot of regulations involved, just like, you know, when FEMA shows up. Everything's lifted off us. We can do whatever we need to do because it's it's not locally regulated anymore. It's it's federally regulated. And those guys, I've never seen a FEMA guy. We actually broke bread with the FEMA guys in Beulahville the other night. The fire department, I'm, I'm getting tangential, but this is a great example. The fire department said, how'd you guys get in here? There's no way to get in here or get out of Beulahville right now. I'm like, well, we just drove right in. It was three feet deep, but we drove right in in our jacked up trucks, you know. And, uh, and I was like, we're on the way to Kinston. We're meeting some guys in Kinston. And he says, uh, well, there ain't no way to get out of here. I'm like, well, clearly you can go back the way we just came. Right. Um, right. But I'd rather go towards Kinston. So we sat down and ate some. They finally, they, they turned us away at first. No, we can't help you. We were looking for diesel fuel. And I know they had a diesel tank there. We pulled up right next to it. But like, anyway, we can just get five gallons of diesel fuel so we can get to Kinston. We're all about to run out of fuel. We've been driving 800 miles today trying to help folks. No, man, we can't help you. We can't help you. And there's no flooding. And in, in, uh, they said there was zero flooding in Beulahville. Nobody needed rescuing. I'm like, hold on now. How is every road on the way in here flooded so bad that you're telling me there's no way in or out? 
but nobody needs rescuing. Right. Nobody right. needs to go get pulled out of their house. Do only the roads flood in Beulahville? Is this the one town on the planet where the roads are the lowest part? I don't understand it. Right. So then we sat there for 15 minutes eating grilled chicken. And the FEMA guy looks at me and he goes, uh, hey, man, when you get a second, I'll come show you this route we went down earlier to get to Kenston. And they let us out of there. They showed us how to get to Kenston. When the fire department just told me there was no way to get to Kenston. That's horrible. I, I, it, it's, it, it's horrible of, of these 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 you know almost uh immature interactions you know that are that are happening you know with these agencies um um you know with you i mean they should have been immediately up front saying here's the access route in and facilitate that um right. so, so you know are you perceiving so we talked about liability you brought that up earlier but are you also perceiving that part of it is just people saying feeling we've got this covered, even though they don't, like they totally underestimate, but they're like, it's a pride thing. Like we're going to do this. Uh, we don't need anyone from the, the quote unquote outside. We're just going to do this. And they have no idea what they're in for. You do because you've been in rescues. Maybe, right. I mean, they haven't been in a rescue or anything like this, um, especially recently because the East Coast uh, doesn't frequently, you know, get hit with, I think what you know was it Matthew, and then before that, you know, another ten or fifteen years prior. But right. So, so do you deal with some of that where people are just like, nope, we we've we've got it. And you're, um, I mean, it's a, I, a lot of the phone calls that I'm on, especially with fire departments and fire chiefs and stuff. Um, you know, I talked to the fire department today in, in Conway, and I asked him if we could just come feed some people. He's like, no, man, everybody here's good. I said, shelters are good. The, the National Guard's good. There's not people staying on the side. He goes, man, everybody in Conway's fine. Thank you for, for calling. Um, I feel like what's happening is they're getting a lot of calls, so they are frustrated, and I can sense that, and I understand that. That's fine. But not one of them has said, look, man, we can't let you help because it's a liability, and that's just the way, that's, that's the way it, it works as far as the red tape, and I'm sorry. None of them have said that. That's all you got to say, man. You don't have to say, man, we don't need your help. You know, go to F back to where y'all came from. They don't, they don't, they don't have to say it that way. All they got to do is say, hey, man, we just, we really are not allowed to tell you to come in here and help. One of the fire departments the other day, Horry County, told my buddy, went in there. Now, this guy, he sells fuel to farmers and stuff all up and down through Horry and Georgetown County. He knows just about everybody. He walked into the EOC office in Conway and they literally said, if you try to put your boats in here and go do rescues, we're going to stop you. That, that's insanity. I, I, yeah. I mean, it, it just flat out is insanity. And again, this is, this is not what people are hearing through the mainstream uh, media at, at all. And we have resources um, that are available and capable and they're being denied access um and, and really again should be a access should be available because of what is provided through the 10th amendment meaning that we can have these civilian rescues and we know that um systems develop people figure things out different pieces work together and um and and when they're not needed then they they dissolve but even like you know when you're talking about where the fire department could say listen you know we can't we can't accept the liability of having you go out but while you're here, you can do this level of support for us, which will allow us to do X, Y, Z if you're open to doing that. And it could right. be cooking meals or, 
you know, whether it, whatever specifically that, that it is, you know, fueling vehicles, you know, whatever of saying this would support us. Um, and it's under, you know, it, it is not to the maximizing your skill set at all, but even that is to me, um, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. People are, are terrified of, of the litigation of what if we say yes. Um, right. But you, but you've had, but you've had people who have said though, yes, right. You've, you've had people who have, who have said, come in and, and do this. Yeah. Well, okay. what's crazy, they, they, on social media, all these towns have asked us to come in. Hey, we need guys with John boats, shallow draft boats to come in and help, please. So is then it the we people? Get there, we get oh. there and they crab crawl and, oh, no, no, we don't need your help. I'm like, but it's all, your town official, whoever's in charge of your social media got to go ahead for somebody to post this on Facebook that the town of Dillon needs our help. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's, see, that is exactly what I'm talking about. The the need and then and then someone is is saying um, no because of of and I I think you're you're exactly right on of a liability and this is maybe where their yeah their city attorney or whoever is saying well you know what if they if something does happen you know we have this other consideration of liability this is where uh, we need a um, some type of very defined provision through FEMA that when there is a disaster situation declared and we do have a 5013C that they are able then to partner. And I kind of talked with, with Katie where even if it's something like an identification that has like a barcode that identifies, you know, that you are with um, Triton Relief, you've had, here's your skill set, you know, here's your, your whatever. So they know that you're on scene and then... Um, that there is some absolving of, of liability on a federal action to do that. And, yeah, we're, and we're working on that. The hardest part, though, is, is preventing somebody else from copying the ID or copying the sticker or copying whatever it is that, you know, you're using as your, uh, as your, your pass or whatever. You know, it's just we can't let these other entities get a hold of whatever it is once we get in there. But at the same time, you're like, well, we can't really ask FEMA to contract contract with just us because what if our guys aren't in the area? Then we're going to wind up in the same situation where they're turning around other guys that could possibly help, you know? So right. it's a real difficult razor's edge that we have to walk to figure out how to do this. And I think a lot of it boils down to this. They keep telling us the, uh, the uh, EOCs, the local ones keep telling us that we got to go through the state EOC. Well, just the other night, girl from, uh, 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 what is it, emergency resource management, um, she called one of our dispatchers, Amanda, and told her flat out that there is no regulation at the state level, that there is, there's zero reason that we can't go out there and do it. There's no repercussions if we do it, and there's no way to sign up. There's no protocol on the state level. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's where that Tenth Amendment comes in into to play. It rolls right down to the citizen um, rescue force, you know, being able to mobilize. Right. Um, so this this is, I, I, I think, I mean, a, a lot of people just aren't aware that this is able to happen. Um, and it has, um, okay, I'm just reading a message. Um, it has happened on other occasions. And the, the thing that I'm really worried about, Jamie, is people like you and like Triton Relief Group 
um, that absolutely are essential to rescues like this. And, and, it's, and, and we're not talking about property. We were talking about lives. And we were talking about, what, 31, 32 lives lost when that number. Um, probably if all resources were uh, efficiently utilized that were available, um, that the bureaucratic red tape wasn't there, that number is less. Okay, we know that number is less. Um, so absolutely, yeah. yeah, this this is this is ex- extremely frustrating because people people don't understand what the barrier is to this, and and that's why it's very important for me to do this show. I also wrote a book um, that is you know coming out Lessons of Lore Manhattan talks about scalable rescues with uh, Roman and Littlefield, so a major publisher, and I talk specifically about this. Um, well kind of the Cajun uh, Navy relief model, um, but I, I can also, um, you know, modify that somewhat in final version for the Triton Relief Group of saying, we need to enable 5013Cs, um, it, it, whether that, whatever type of identification, well, people fly and they have, you know, passports and they have IDs and I just got my license renewed and I had to do the extra stuff to get the star up in the corner so I could go right. to military bases. This can all happen in the age of biometrics and other stuff. Um, and, and it's like, it, 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 you know, we can get really efficient with, with this. So I think it is a matter of if, if this gets too heavily regulated or if, if someone comes out and, and tries legislation saying, you know what, we can have groups like this, but we're going to make them take a class and we're going to charge them $200 and it's going to be whatever, like this training class. You're going to kill these organic rescue groups, which are essential. This is the backbone of America, of America Rescue. This is enabled by the 10th Amendment. Yeah. And there is no need to do that. Like we, we need you. We need Triton Relief Group, um, and and the fact that you're not getting more respect, and just in general in the media, um, that we're not giving more respect to this issue is a shame. And I'm not trying to sell books here. I'm just saying in my book, I do I do explicitly point that out. Of um, this, this is an issue that people do not hear about. Um, well, they just—they don't yeah. know. There's no, there's no awareness, and you know, I catch hell for this girl's been bashing me all over Facebook today. She's had a couple—I mean, like twenty-five or thirty thousand. I mean, it's going all—it's going viral. She's bashing me, saying that I'm calling the news channels and I'm just wanting my fifteen minutes of fame and all this stuff. I mean, I'm on TV a dozen times a year for fishing. I don't need fame. I don't need trophies. The reason I'm doing this and the reason I'm going on with the media is, is just to create awareness. People don't know. They don't know that there's 15 of those other entities out there. And some of them are selling T-shirts at these, you know, they pull it up to towns where people are flooded out. They're trying to sell T-shirts or gumbo or whatever the case may be. Right. Or they're trying to count heads that they save so they can send a bill to FEMA for $100 a person, whatever. People don't know that there's bad apples out there because they've just sprung up recently. And, right. and they also don't know that, you know, for instance, the Red Cross. I don't, I don't know how you feel about the Red Cross. I don't like the Red Cross. They should stick to blood. You know, I, I know of a guy that he's a lifetime member of Red Cross donating. He shouldn't have to pay for blood for the rest of his life, according to his membership. But he just went to the hospital and they charged him for his blood. But they should stick to blood because. Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. 
Author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. You there still? Yeah, I am, and, and you're coming through better. So, so, uh, so, Jamie, I mean, I, I'm glad you're not discouraged. It is, it is frustrating for me to hear the way that you've been treated because um, not in one moment did I ever think or if I would would see you on TV or anything, that this is a grab of the limelight. Although people do that, like, you know, in anything, like after the Boston um, Marathon bombing, what was it, an hour later, people are out selling Boston Strong t-shirts. I mean, but that that will happen with, you know, with with almost anything um, that is that is large scale. But, you know, when you definitely can say here, here's, you know, paperwork verifying who I am and you obviously see behind, you know, the equipment that I have, the resources that I have and you can talk the lingo. It doesn't take very long for someone to identify. Yes, this guy, he knows what he's what he's doing. He can um, work with us. Um, and we need to bring a, a, just a greater respect to, like, you know, Triton Relief Group, other groups that might be um, at a level of the 5013C so we can say, yes, you know, these are other groups that we can, we can bring into the mix. Because if we don't do that, I mean, you're going to continue to do it because it's deep ingrained in you of who you are as a person. This is you. Um, but this eventually is, is, is going to it, – it, it's – it's going to become a deterrent. I mean, especially if people come in at some point for the next rescue or three, four, five years from now, and right. they say, you know, the moment you put your boat in, that's a $200 fine that we're going to slap on you. And um, and we absolutely, as a society, cannot have that happen um, anywhere because we are always going to need going going forward. We are, we are our brother's keeper. And that's well, we abs- absolutely are. And with a dense population, with a dense infrastructure, um, and and we need the ability to to scale in and have this all all capable hands um, on deck mentality. Um, and and I think again, so many people who are going to listen to this and that I've talked to in the professional community really have no idea to the depth of of what is what's happening at all. The, well, that, what they what, what they don't realize is there's a huge trickle down effect. You know, when I go, I mean, you should see the emails and text messages I got at Christmas from families of like 16, 17, 18 people at Christmas where they say they take a family picture and send it to me. They don't even remember my name. They got my phone number. I don't remember their names, but I'll never forget picking them up and getting a text message two or three months later on Christmas saying, thank you. If, if you hadn't picked us up that day, we would not have survived and we wouldn't be a family right now because we picked them up. There was zero water on their street. And I convinced them that we had already listened to the water, water tables, watershed schedule. 
there was 15 feet of water at their house on a single story house six hours later. Right. So, so they're, feet. yeah, they were, all, they would have all died if they hadn't got in. I get goosebumps talking about it. So that maybe if one kid out of that family grows up and is my age and decides he's going to go do this kind of stuff and help people out and go cook for churches or whatever the case may that if, if, I, if everything I do gets turned away and turned away and turned away, if I can change one life, it's worth doing it. If I can make one kid grow up to be a better person and realize that not everybody's an ass, uh, then it's worth doing. If you can save one person, make one person smile, it's worth getting turned away all week, all week long. And that's what, you know, we have to keep telling ourselves that all the time that, yeah, we didn't get to go in today and get 100 people out, but we got one person out. We got two people out. We altered these people's futures forever even if it was one person it was worth doing yeah yeah absolutely and and um you know i i i feel um you know i i, I can I, I can feel your frustration obviously um because you know the you, you know there's so much more that could be done and, and uh, but you and know, it's our fingertips it's right there it, that's that that's the thing and and um recognizing and staying positive with what you're what you're allowed to do um not what you're capable of doing what you are permitted to do um and this is this is where you know when it comes election time and when i i i was sharing this with katie you know this this is also very new uh, as far as like having the technology, having the scalability, having the populations as as dense as they are, relatively speaking, like in the last 10, 20 years. And I don't think anyone is, is really, and, and we know FEMA has moved really slow. Like looking at the FEMA studies, FEMA up until last year was really based on a 911 rescue system, which had been outdated for um, at least 10 to 12 years, recognized at the federal level that it had to be replaced. Um, right. And, and not to bash FEMA, but the part of bashing FEMA comes in when FEMA, FEMA doesn't realize that their progression, their next step forward, isn't to become a isolationist organization, but their step forward has to be of, okay, here's how we are going to become an interface organization. Here's how we are going to be um, our role in staging with 50. Um, with 5013Cs, and here's our role in communications and, and our, our interface. And that's the part that they need to get to. I think they will, because otherwise I, I just don't think they're going to succeed. And right. I also think there's this thing I was, I was talking about to Katie. It's, it's, it's social contract theory, but it's basically why people trust in the government, like for things like the Patriot Act and stuff like that. And I, I, I sense that... Um, there is this there's this thing happening right now where people are are feeling um, if the government, especially FEMA, the EOCs, if they can't do it, they don't want to show that they can't do it. And, and instead of taking on a partnership, they're just like, shutting everybody else out. Um, and that means that they preserve this social contract where, where it's kind of like, Jamie, if you and I felt the government absolutely wasn't capable of doing anything, it would probably create a lot of anxiety and, and chaos in a lot of people. Um, and and that's, that's been proven over time. But the part is, though, that it wouldn't have to be that way at all. If FEMA just reorganized itself and said, listen, we are, we are an interface organization. Like, we are going to provide this, but then we are going to have um, interfaces with the 50, um, 5013Cs, and we're going to utilize all of these resources. 
what people would know if they knew that ahead of time, they're like, yes, thank you. Like we're using our resources. This is what we want. So that's where it's, it's, we, we, we need a replacement at the top of FEMA. Right. We need a reorganization, restructuring. But I would say to you, I think it's going to happen. I, I, we saw objectively the, the rescue of 500,000 people from lower Manhattan, mostly by like tugboat and by like um, sightseeing boats. Not one bit of litigation out of that. No one trying to stop that. That was done um, through Admiral Roy gave that, uh, that order. Yep. Joplin Tornado uh, Rescue is largely coordinated by a mother and daughter. Started two hours after the uh, tornado hit Joplin of 50,000 people. Um, what Cajun Navy Relief, for example, was able to accomplish, um, and now you know Triton Relief Group. So these these examples, and I could go I could go on and on. I have numerous examples that I kind of cite in different capacities. But we know this happens like in wildfire. Wildfires kind of moved where they, they have taken this to a local quadrant type level. So like the model's already there, but wildfires, um, that kind of, that model started around the 70s. And I don't think FEMA's quite ready for this, uh, but they, they have to be. They will be, they're analyzed, they, they, there's a shift. They're starting to go and interface somewhat more Facebook and app, but it's very minuscule. They're not there. They're not where you're at. Like you're so far ahead, your organization. But what they could do is they could be a great staging organization. Um, they could be providing, you know, the diesel fuel. They could be going out with you. They could be working with satellite um, access for satellite imagery and, you know, satellite 3D maps and global information systems. Um, the GIS mapping, which is, it's the same type of software that they use. Um, like you and I, if we live, if we have the same type of vehicle, but we live in different areas, you pay more than I do because like you're more prone to hail damage and stuff. All of that right. information they have, and it would be very valuable of knowing, yeah, the different water tables and, and, you know, stuff like that. Um, oh, we, I mean, there's topo maps on the internet right now that are yeah. really hard to find. But you could pull up a map of South Carolina, and it'll tell you. All right, these are the. Here's a list of the cities that are gonna that are gonna flood first. If if this happens, I mean, it, it's like SAT questions. They're if then questions, right. and they're so easy to answer. Right. I, and that's one of the reasons I'm involved this week so heavily is because they kind of turned to me and said, Jamie, this is your this is your neck of the woods here. Help us figure out what's going. And I told them. I mean, I told them a week ago. I said, Here's what's gonna happen. It's gonna flood in Lumberton. It's gonna flood in Elizabeth City. Then it's going to go down to Dillon. Then it's going to Conway. Then it's going to King Street and Andrews and Hemingway and Georgetown. I mean, it's just, you know where it's going to flood. And that's why we've been so ahead of the eight ball this week. And it's it, and that's also why we're getting turned away. If we waited until it flooded, which is a, against my nature to wait right. until it hits right. the fan. If you can, if you can preempt it hitting the fan, then don't let it hit the fans. So get there before the flood, people out, talk to them, you know, whatever. And then, and then get them out of there. So I'm going to, real quick, I'm going to go back to two things. Number one, I know there's some people are going to hear this, see this, or whatever, and they're going to say, well, why don't you just go put it in anyway? Just put the boat in anyway. What are they going to They're going to arrest you? And this is the mentality that a lot of people have. I had that mentality down there in Texas, but we were in a situation where there were so many people in such a dense area, it was not hard to find where to go get somebody, right? Right. Here's the kicker. It's about a thousand times more efficient. Now, we've got... 
one of the best dispatching systems I've ever seen. I've never seen a municipality with a dispatching system as efficient as the girls that we have strewn across this country, thousands of miles apart, that can communicate within a half a second over an app that treats your phone like a walkie-talkie. Right. Granted, we do lose cell phone coverage. That's literally the only flaw in the dispatching system that we have. Now, if we, with that dispatching system, if we can integrate that and look at the calls that they're getting on 911, which when we have a town or city that does cooperate, we vet our calls, they vet their calls. There's no there's no double tapping. There's no, you know, two different crews are going to the same house. There's right. no waste in the re- the efficiency is increased exponentially. So that's why it's difficult for us to just go put the boat in anyway, because number one, you do that, you're stepping on their toes. It's going to be a hundred times harder to get it done when they do eventually say yes. It's going to take 10 times longer for them to eventually say yes, you can come in and help. That's why we don't just go fire the boats in the water and go ride around and knock on doors like a bunch of renegades. You just can't do it. It's also how you wind up getting shot because sometimes they think you might be looting, you know? So right. You right. have to have the local municipalities work with you yes. in order to make it efficient, number yes. one. Number two, the thing that people, I'm going I'm to go back to the trickle-down effect. One of the things they don't, they don't understand, I can't tell you how many times I've knocked on doors and these people come out and they say, oh, are you with the fire department? It gives the local authorities a positive that they can, they can look back on the citizens and the citizens are they feel like they're more protected because they think that you're part of the local authority system. They think you're a yeah. fireman. They think you're a police officer. They, you know, you can knock on these doors and it makes the, the citizens feel like somebody's actually looking after them instead of being told I'll be there in two days. I'm sorry your power's been out for a week and you don't have any water or food or medicine. We'll be there in two more days. That's a great point. And, you know, back in the day, we used to deputize people during emergencies, and then they could they could do these types of things that you're talking about right now. Um, so, yeah, it, it is. Um, it, and that's the way that we have to, to frame this, too. It's an extension of the local um, rescue force. And and then, yeah, I, I mean, I'm placing myself in that role if someone is, is at my door and saying, you know, um, can I assist you? And and we are working in a partnership with, um, you know, the fire department or whatever. And yeah, I would I would totally uh, be appreciative of that. And yes, thank you for having my back. And and I and the thing is, you know, too, Jamie, I think I think people, and this is where I don't get where FEMA tries to protect this, but I think people obviously realize that something like this is so large and significant that it that it has to be scaled to bring in outside resources that you there's nobody that that has um you know the resources just waiting in a warehouse somewhere to dispatch all of these these boats or military vehicles and and it just it, it's it hasn't been there it, and it, it it doesn't make sense to do that you know um you have to have these organizations working together. Right. It's literally like having a different branch of the military. There's so many things that you have to have put together from, I mean, yeah, you might need the Zodiacs and stuff when it's rough and you got to go across Cape Fear River. And, you know, there's however an obscene amount of millions of gallons coming down the river that aren't normally there. Um, you, you might not be able to get what you need to do done in John boats that are used in the middle of the street where there is no current. 
you know, I mean, and then obviously like before you can't, like I said before, you can't use that Zodiac to go over a hump in the road to get to, so there's like four different types of boats that you need right off the rip. Obviously we try to use, depending on where we're going, we try to bring and use the the boat that we think we're going to have to use the most. Now I knew from the get go that these rivers were going to be just, I mean, raging rapid, high swift water, uh, high current situations. Um, I knew that, and but I also know that you know at the end of this week I'm going to be in neighborhoods where part of my family used to live. You know, I'm, half of this stuff's happening within 20 miles from where I was born, and so it hits home with me to no end. I mean, I get emotional about it no matter where it is, but up here I've been getting super emotional about it because, I mean, for instance, I told somebody today. We need to see if the old Loris High School is underwater. Be a great stationery. They're like, where's that? I'm like, across the street from my grandparents' house. But they used wow. to live before they died. You know, it's just stuff like that that you realize how vulnerable the areas were when you had family living there, and you didn't even know if they were vulnerable. So if I didn't know they were vulnerable, my grandparents didn't. The people there's that live in there now don't know it's vulnerable. Right. And that's what's crazy is that you don't even know that you're living in a, a flood zone. Because you're not getting charged for flood insurance. Right, right. You know? and, and something, too, that Katie had mentioned, um, in my perception, was that the, um, from a state level, like, like the governors of, of North Carolina, South Carolina, were not nearly as urgent as, as last year when we had um, Irma and Harvey hit. That it, it, seemed, it seemed more passive, you know, like... Um, understanding this is this is going to I, I, I don't know I didn't I didn't get the uh, um, the sense even, of urgency the sense of urgency and even the visuals of, of seeing like Interstate Four now I know Interstate Four is Central um, uh, Central Florida because they were afraid it could you know the the hurricane could hit on either coast but but you know those were the images and and it was it was the the governor I, I forget who it is it, 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 in in you know, local um, mayors and, and saying, like, out, everybody out. And it, it didn't happen this time. And I think that was also something that contributed to when you're going in, people are saying, yeah, you know, it's and it's one of those things, too, of, of if you've lived through it once, um, maybe it was Hugo or something like that. It's like, oh, I've, I've been through it. And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, it's it is you people get this this mentality too where that's where if you come in and also that it's it's with uh local government and some pr work on their part of saying listen like this is yes maybe it's not going to happen but this is what is projected this is what we anticipate and we'll get you back quickly if it doesn't if this doesn't happen but if it does well i I will tell you this i i respect the governors because i see both sides of it as as a small business owner Sure. I mean, I'm losing money every single day right now um, because I, I can't, I mean, I can start fishing again tomorrow, but all my all my charters for last week and this week canceled because of the storm, right? They canceled because McMaster evacuated and it doesn't come here. Then you have a, an unforeseen negative, um, I don't even know how many dollars worth, negative financial impact, you know, because right. people right. are looking at the money. Tourism is South Carolina's number one industry. So you start telling people that they got to evacuate. It's it goes the, the painters at the construction sites, all the way up to the guys that you know own law firms and whose clients aren't flying in. I mean, millions and hundreds of millions of dollars has been lost in the past week 
and income. And for people that live paycheck to paycheck, and they don't, they can't work because the boss man shut the business down for a week to evacuate. Right. They just lost a week's worth of pay. That dude that owns that business is a businessman. He ain't paying those people for a week that he didn't get paid to work. You know. Yeah. So there's people whose lives might be changed forever because of one week's worth of financial loss. And the, the worst part about it is 99% of the areas that flood are those people that live paycheck to paycheck. So not only are they losing a week's worth of income, they now have a whole lot of more financial responsibility because their house is just flooding. Right, right. You know, it's a, it's not a catch-22. It is, it is. And thank you for pointing out. Yeah, thank you for pointing that out because that was a part of the discussion uh, we didn't have that we didn't get into is, is yeah once you once you make that call of yeah we are shutting down the business for a week or yeah you need to to leave and someone's like well okay I'm not reporting to my job for the next seven to ten days um, right. that income is that income is gone um, and and yeah once you start shutting down the airports and and I remember um, yeah that it was um, the the Disney you know when Disney Orlando finally shut down. You know, just for that like twenty thousand people, it didn't work. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, it was. I, yeah, I, I, I don't have an answer for that. Um, I, it's a point. I'm glad you brought it up because it has to be put into the equation of saying, yeah, this is why this is so difficult to make this this call, um, yeah. because the the impact you're having. Um, so that and, and, and what makes it even more different is a little thing called sec, uh, first Tuesday in November that's coming up. Oh yeah, he yeah. wants to get reelected. So who does he piss off the most? The people that are going to drown, or does he piss off the people that aren't going to get their paychecks, or the business owners that you know that want to? Some of them want to take a week's vacation. Right now. I mean, it's the lesser of two evils. What does he? What does he do? I mean, ideally, you do the right thing, but it, it's the old business school one hundred and one. You got contaminated baby food. What do you do? Do you recall the baby food and shut the factory down, or do you, you know, let two or three babies die without telling anybody? It's it's morals versus values. It's an age-old conundrum. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think you're right. You're right on with with that. Um, so we 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 have a lot of variables that that play into this. Um, so as I kind of as I kind of wrap up, is there is there one is there one rescue that really in the last, you know, week stands out for you um, that you'd like to like to share? Uh, honestly, I haven't been able to pull a single person out of a house this week. Um, so what I did instead of twiddling my thumbs for a little bit, I, uh, I, I started just going and doing wellness checks. You guys OK? You know, if I got sent to an address for a wellness check. Fortunately, I've got a lot of friends that follow me on social media. So when we go do this stuff, they know I'm going. And if they have family members or friends with family members in these areas, they send me the addresses and the names and, you know, what kind of situation it is so that I I can go check on their family for them. Because, like I said, power's been out for four or five days. And most of these, like the older folks especially, most of them don't, they don't think about, you know, I need to charge my phone in my car so that I have a cell phone. So these people, they might not be able to get a hold of them for three or four days, and they want somebody to go check on them. Understandable. I'd, I'd say the, the number one rescue that sticks with me is the two dogs I brought back from Harvey last year. Um, I brought them back, and they were in real bad shape. And uh, 
one of them had cancer on his leg. We had to cut his leg off a week later. And the other one still has 35 pellets in him where somebody shot him and sweetest dog on the planet. So I'm reminded every day uh, I was in Beaumont, Texas. So we named the Black Lab Harvey and we okay. named the Catahoula, the Catahoula Cur Dog. We named him Beaumont. So, okay. Uh, he's still at my house right now. He's loving his dog on this planet. But both of them had heartworms. They, they, I mean, eat up with skin conditions. We spent about six grand on these dogs, but they they wound up being the sweetest dogs I've ever had in my life. So that that one I'm reminded of every day. But I mean, every, you remember every rescue. There's not a rescue that I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, even worse is the, the, the ones you couldn't rescue that you see. Those are burned into your brain forever. Yeah. I tell people all the time, unless you're willing to see the stuff on TV that you cringe at, don't don't come do this because you're gonna right. see it. You're gonna see the worst stuff you'll ever see in your life doing this. But you know, you can see a hundred dead bodies and saving one child and seeing them smile when they get in that boat instead of crying on the porch with water at their feet and their houses, you know, their yards four or five feet under. Um, crying, telling you not to run over their bike that's underwater. You can't even see. They don't want you to run it over with the john boat. Uh, putting that one kid in the boat. And taking him up there and uh, giving him something to eat in the parking lot, waiting on the bus to come get him, having him smile and give you a hug and saying thank you. It's worth every it's worth every minute of it. Oh wow, wow. Well, Jamie, I mean this this has been um, a fascinating, uh, a, a complete education for me. I I appreciate this. Uh, the people who are going to be listening to this um, are going to appreciate you know what you've what you've shared and I I can only wish and I honestly believe that we will have a more effective system to interface you know with you and with other people um, for example you know with with the Triton Relief Group or 501-3Cs um, so we can utilize those resources um, yeah. and just that we change our, our whole mentality uh, from, you know, this thing of this litigious and also if the social contract is broke of saying, if there is a declaration of disaster, that here are some exemptions that go into place while this, this is occurring. Because if we don't do that, we are, we are going to, uh, people are going to die. People are going to die. We're uh, cheating ourselves. And, and, and nobody, nobody wins, um, at this. Nothing is preserved. Uh, it is, it is going to, th this is an opportunity with the technology, as you indicated, that's in place. Um, and just how Zello scaled, for example, from last year to this year, you know, what the 14 employees to like, a, you know, larger employee base plus, plus just becoming much more efficient. We know the satellite systems are, have gotten much better. Um, they've just released, um, the FAA and the Air Force have just released like a new grade of satellite to get even more precise in the map. So all of these things um, are starting to come into play and we're getting in our own way through stupid bureaucracy when this can be this time in, in life where um, we can really capitalize on the goodness of humanity, which is there. Yeah. And, 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 and what we don't hear this on the news and we don't hear your story on the news because, um, it, it, you know, it's, it's a, it's a few flyovers of, of flooded areas, um, you know, of, of flooded highways and, and a few pictures and selected interviews. But, um, you know, as you said, there are agendas to preserve, which are political um, unfortunately, and I think also just, I do completely believe this is still so new in the, you know, if we take the last 10, 20 years, 
of population densities, of, of technology, of the ability to do this. The people don't know how to interface with it yet from a government standpoint. And the turnover that we've had in, in government and, and FEMA should have have you know, should have learned the lesson from Katrina big time, didn't. But at some point, the organization is just going to, it either has to change or it'll implode. And what will happen is Triton Relief Group, other 501-3Cs will, will become, you know, we'll, we'll take that spot. Um, I fully believe, I fully believe that. Yeah. So I think good things are ahead. I appreciate what you've been doing. I, I know it's frustrating because you, you have the capability to do so much more. Um, well, I appreciate I appreciate you giving us a, a voice. And who are we harming if, if we don't if we don't do what we need to do? We're harming ourselves. That that's who we are harming. We're harming our neighbor, our neighbors, and and the people that we care about. So um, again, thank you. And you know, I I know. Again, there's so much more that you're capable of doing that you're not allowed to do right now. That has to change. I'm going to work hard, again, in my capacity through educating people, plus, um, uh, you know, other connections that I have. And I, I, I just, I, I think things will change. I think things will change. Stay, continue, you know, do what you do. And my goodness, um, if we didn't have, you know, people like you, like Katie, like you know, the Triton Relief Group, um, our, this this would be just um, you know such a weaker country. We have we have this incredible strength out there, this organic strength that we've we've got to utilize. Yep, yep. you're right. I think uh, uh, buddy Mon always tells me he says uh, keep doing what you can and keep trying to do what you can't. You know. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go with that. Uh, I appreciate your your time. Uh, and, and again, uh, my thoughts are with you and the people, you know, listening to this show at the, at the very least, it is uh, Triton relief group. Uh, Katie had talked about, you know, you can find on internet Triton relief group, a 501 3C. I will have it linked out also uh, where you can make donations, um, which would be very valuable. Yeah, let them know their donations. They, they, they don't they don't get sent to somebody else to distribute. They uh, they pay for fuel for these guys to go pick people up. Uh, they pay for food to feed first responders. Uh, they pay for food to um, feed people that we're rescuing. They pay for food to feed us. Um, you're 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 fueling the machine that I mean at some point could become something that the government relies on. I mean, if nothing yeah. else, help be part of the help be part of the change. Help be part of the solution because this is a solution for natural disasters, uh, natural natural disaster relief. And there's not many of those out there unless you figure out a way to get a hurricane to, to steer in a different direction. You know. It, and building off of of you know last year and some of the images that I had shared um, that Katie had provided, you know, your organization isn't. Um, coming in and then two weeks later you're gone there are members of the organization which are returning helping people rip out drywall once the water's gone down um, and and helping people restore their lives and i think that is absolutely a 
fascinating aspect of of your organization too. Uh, again, you know, I, I have the image from from last year um, where you know, Katie, you've got the breathing apparatus, you know, on with mold spores and stuff, and, and you're you're working in someone's home, and, and you can just tell, you know, you're getting getting the black mold off, and um, I, th- I think that's another part is, you know, this isn't where, you know, you're there for a couple days and doing, um, you know, support and then you're, you're gone. And as you said, this, this is impacting, you know, your, your livelihood, your profession, but what it is, impa- it's impacting is your soul and what you feel you need to do, which I think supersedes, I mean, it's the goodness in you. I mean, it's, it comes through in this call and, and through the organization. Listen, I've, I've been broke. I've been broke a bunch in my life. I still sleep just fine, and that's the key. Yeah, you, you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't go out there and help your fellow man, you're probably not going to sleep as good as you could. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jamie, I, I there's nothing I can say that's better than the, what you just said. Uh, so I'm I'm going to uh, let you go and, and and finish out with Katie. But thank you so much uh, for your yes, time sir. today. I, I greatly appreciate it, and just thank you personally. And, and with the people that you are, are working with, um, it is, you are appreciated. Uh, you really are. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you for your time. And uh, hit me up anytime you need anything. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Jamie. Peace, thank y'all. Thank you, Jamie. I'll talk to you soon in a, few, a little bit. Bye-bye. 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 i got to figure out how to hang this thing up now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are back with Katie Pichon of Triton Relief Group. So, um, Katie, um, Jamie, so I, I didn't catch his last name. It's Hoff, H-O-U-G-H. <laughs> it's like Julianne Hoff, but we're not related. Okay. Anyway. Sorry, I'm still trying to figure out how to turn it off. <laughs> just, cl- just close the app out. <laughs> It's also a surveillance app. It will listen, listening to you. <laughs> so, oh my goodness! Um, I told you, Jamie would have some. He's very poor guy. He's extremely tired. He's frustrated. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I I did not expect um, to have him tell me that he he was not permitted to do one rescue, um, considering the qualifications that he has and the equipment and the need. It to me, that's much worse than I anticipated um, yeah. of of what I was going to hear, and it 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 is a deterioration significantly over the last year. I mean, here I'm going yeah. through my questions. What was better? What's changed? What's what's better? I think is the technology. You know, as you said, that the you know Zello has has become. Um, has become a better app, you know, has, has, and, and so, so we know that that capacity is there. What is worse is the bureaucracy is, has, has really honkered down of saying, here's the barriers and we are not collaborating. I think, you know, to, to really, you know, answer that in a nutshell is our organization, our, our efforts, our volunteers have become much more organized, our dispatching, our ticket system, the way we handle reaching out to the authorities has all become much more organized, but the roadblocks with the, you know, bureaucratic red tape is something I have never experienced. And the frustration 
like I told you, you know, to be able to put a Blackhawk or a C-130 in the air and now not even be able to get a boat in the water. I had guys on, you know, chasing their tail or on a wild goose chase and they're frustrated. I'm frustrated because I'm, you know, behind the scenes making the phone calls that need to be made. Amanda Woods, Gary Davis, our, our board of directors, right. you know, are, are making the necessary phone calls, trying to talk to the right people, ruffling the tail feathers that need to be ruffled. And our guys are, are standing around. Yeah, this, it, it, it I, I'm, I'm without words. Um, it is, it needs, it needs to change. Um, if we don't change it, we are going to lose, you know, what we're going to, I, always people like Jamie, always people like you are, are going to be there, but you are going to be so limited and restricted by the bureaucracy and by these local governments that you'll be in a capacity, as Jamie said, of, of helping, you know, support um, through serving National Guard members meals, which is awesome. But, you know, it is so beneath the skill set that he brings to that situation um, that it, it's almost embarrassing um, that we are in an, a total EOC structure, which has this highly talented person and, and is utilizing them in a, in a, is allowing them to engage in, in a way that uh, is so beneath how that person could con contribute. And yet, of course, he's, he's, he's proud and he will do whatever he, he can do to contribute. Um, but, but yet it's, it's, you know, it's, it's like, um, uh, you know, in, in the army, I mean, if you have somebody highly, highly skilled and, you know, you are assigning them to, you know, laundry to duty or something right. like that, it's like, okay, we can have somebody else do this. But like right. you, who, you know, you know, the four boats, you have your, your license and this, and, and we need you. And so please come and, with us. And they've been vetted through a system. They've had a background check run. They've yeah. got the clearance to, to do, you know, to be there to help. And, you know, the media takes, has taken the volunteer efforts over the last couple couple years and made it aware to everybody. So now you've got, you know, people maybe have loved ones in North Carolina, South Carolina, watching the news, hearing about death tolls and going, well, why didn't you call these volunteer groups in? We're there. We're just not able to perform. Right, right. And, and, and that's what people will gain from the show. Um, and also, um, <laughs> yeah, so obviously they're able to be mobilized, not being mobilized. And, and we really see what... I had hoped would be in some evolution on, on FEMA's part that I, I thought, honestly, Katie, I thought it was turning after last year. I thought there was some movement from FEMA to, to embrace more of an interface, also to embrace more of um, the get away from the 911 systems and, and things like this. But it seems like that they completely just slid back. Maybe it was the back-to-back -back hurricanes that had a little bit of movement and what I would say, a direction that could have been changed, but this is horrible. This 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 is yeah. appalling. This should this should completely uh, result in the resignation of of you know FEMA top management, a study and a reorganization, because um, the organization needs to be able to interface 
you know, with, with Triton Relief Group and, and other, you know, similar vetted uh, 5013Cs. And, and, and also, it seems like they're not even integrating very well with local fire and PD um, and county that that is, it, it, and we have the technology to do that. Like all of that is, is out there. Um, so it, I, I think, it, and this was something Jamie brought up. I, I never even thought of, you know, this is an election year and, and there's, mm-hmm. there's, you know, politics that are, that is playing into this. Um, but it, this is something under its own, own weight. FEMA is, is, going to have to change this i I, i'm completely convinced and i because we're not going anywhere no that and that's something too that the you know even though the organization has been suppressed um externally um the organization is there and it's like well if you're not going to allow us to do this then we'll do the wellness checks and eventually um sensibility will roll around because obviously the scalability um, the rapid scalability of, of your organization has been proven and tested. And if it comes down to something where it's like, okay, we need to go with with a ID card or some biometric right. type thing or whatever, then you can do that. Like that can totally be done and that's done in how they kind of do wildfires. So it's, it, it is something where, and I, I, I do believe this, that FEMA's, outdated like this is this is so yeah so rapidly that they haven't caught up to it yet um and and they need to it's almost like you need to just throw everything away and just say like what do we need to build that matches what is there and what will be there in the next year because even as you talk about zello um it's like a year ago would people have thought zello would be capable of what it's doing now and zello started Yeah, I think it was like five, maybe five, six years ago, it actually came into existence. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, it wasn't even there before that. So what is going to be the future? And I was sharing with Jamie, and and of course you were were hearing this too, but the satellite systems have received an upgrade. So um, for GPS to ping to satellite, um, that's become much more efficient. I think it was down to 3.9 meters, but that's gotten smaller, that radius. And that's gotten much more robust. Plus cell phone, you know, like we had some cell phone cut in and out. But that those systems are also becoming rapidly much more robust where they're not going to be knocked out um, by hurricanes. And if they are, it's going to be very short term. So, again, it's, 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 you know, we would think these technical issues are the holdup. Like the road is washed out or this and whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, that's that plays <coughs> into it. But we have means around that. Through the four different types of boats that we can access through the drone surveillance to see where if there is a different way around and in the fact too of like you're there when a rescue can occur before everything is gone to hell like before it's all fallen apart Um, before lives have to be lost yeah yeah and and oh so um my frustration has been at an ultimate high the last couple days I, yeah, and I, I'm I'm sorry about that because I'll say as as a consumer of the media in Wisconsin of what I have been able to obtain through local news, you know, through local news doing their broadcast feed of here's right. the impact of of Hurricane Florence, and then of course just the mainstream media articles. 
Um, nothing that we have talked about today exactly. at all. The death toll has been there. And then the questions, again, that people kind of pose to me is like, why, why have so many people died? Was this like one instant where a mudslide hit a nursing home or whatever? And I'm like, well, I don't know. But I mean, this seems... You know, it, it's one. You know, it's a hurricane. There was plenty of advance. Uh, right. It's not like all of a sudden, um, you know, it's uh, something. You know, like a like a nine eleven happened. I mean, you had notice, you had time. So this this death toll is um, insanely high, and we really know it's that way because we didn't utilize the resources that were there and available to get people to safety, which is. It is such a shame, um, but again, I I say this and I feel bad, at, and I feel so much that we're better than this as a society. We are. Um, and at the same time, I'm not discouraged because I, Jamie's energy is there a hundred percent. Your energy is fully there, and I just think um, this will change. I, I just think this will turn. Um, you've got to you've got to keep a positive mindset. Um, one for yourself to keep you going. Two for your guys that are in boats, boots on the ground, because if they're hearing your frustration, then they in turn become frustrated. And you know we need them to be on their A game. So keeping the positive mindset, positive attitude goes a long way. And you know we don't want to have to reach out to media for help and. and making the, the, you know, situation where to, to everybody. We'd rather be having this conversation saying how great it's been to coordinate and work with, you know, local, state, and federal agencies to make, you know, all of this happen. And, and instead, we're having to have a conversation about how, how much we've been pushed out. Right. We don't want to do that. We don't. We'd rather have a great rapport built, like, with Harvey. We had senators, uh, captains at the state troopers office that were working hand in hand with us. Yeah, I was I was going back through the photos that you sent me, and one of the photos had um, two state patrol SUVs um, parked to um, clear the way for for your right. boat traffic. You had sent me we that. And I was time. going through all of those um, right. from a year ago, and and yeah, it is. Um, it feels like we've taken 20 steps back, looking back to what we were able to accomplish during Harvey with the support, the police convoys, the green light from all the officials. And, and now this, it's like, how did we go from making so, so much shit happen to now not being able to make anything happen? Right. Right. I, I feel the same way. And, and this is, uh, it surprises me because I, I didn't anticipate um, that this, that this level of deterioration of cooperation, especially when it proved so effective um, and, and it was very visual and, and, you know, those accounts are there. And, and I don't know if it's because it's East Coast and there's a different mentality on East Coast versus you know, South Coast versus, you know, West Coast. Uh, I, I, I don't know. But to me, this this is completely um, insane. This falls on EOC at the federal level um, to stand mm-hmm. up and really say, it, no, like this is what we're going to do. And as you said, I 
anybody out there, if, if we did a poll, if we, you know, <laughs> surveys, qualitative groups and sat down with people and said, listen, you know, if something like this happened and we had fire and state patrol and, and county services, and then we also had um, like Triton Relief Group and explain it out and, and, and come together, like, what do you think about that for, you know, get people's <laughs> feedback. Everybody would be like, yes, this makes sense. And um, I, 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 you know, it, it does get territorial. It gets into liability. I, I think that's right. somewhat there. And then I think it is, again, the, um, this, this social contract um, where it, it does prove from a FEMA perspective, if FEMA as an agency it, it feels that they can't handle this in scale, that it's a weakness and it's a fault and a failure, which is flawed thinking. Instead of saying right. um, we are going to become a a partnership um, organization, like we're not be, trying to, to you know you know outshow the government agencies, right? I, and it is so ridiculous. I mean, right now, I mean, I, I I if I was if I was called tomorrow and say, Dave, you're going to head up FEMA. I'm like, here's what we're doing. We are going to figure out how to interface with these other organizations uh, because you know they are they're on the ground. Um, they, they also know the territory, you know, and, and we are just stronger if we use, utilize all of our organizations if our, our, and here's what we're going to do for liability and, and if we need to tighten up some things on making sure Correct. that we have people, we can do that. Like that's totally all doable and boom, and we're going to present this and we're going to rebadge ourselves as, yeah, this, this organization that's going to utilize all the resources available to it, which has happened before. Right. It's, it's like we ignore that this ever happened. Like it, like it, as you said, the rescue for Harvey and, and the 9-11 rescue, 500,000 people in nine hours. It's like, no, people forget this. It's like it never happened. So yesterday there were 113 Red Cross shelters between North and South Carolina with about 12,000 people in them and 24 independent shelters with about 5,000 people in them. You can't tell me that Red Cross has the resources to provide for all of these people. Right. Right. Is it, it, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, do you, you want the help for these people or, or, or not? It, it, mm. And, and whether it come out, to, you know, as, as Jamie said, you know, we four or five days without power. So, I mean, getting, getting essential uh, resources, whether it be medications, you know, medication Generators. deliveries. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just just the essentials in in diesel fuel and 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 stuff like that um so yeah it is it is absolutely uh ridiculous and the fact that this has become again so territorial and so political but again uh you know the organization um does exist because of the 10th amendment uh, allowing it to exist and it, it it we just need to become better and more educated. I'm going to work with a, a person. His name is TJ Martinell. He works with the 10th Amendment Center. And I'm going to do a follow-up um, after this show with TJ and probably do a, a podcast. And maybe TJ can do um, just a piece in general that he gets out through the 10th Amendment Center um, of saying, you know, listen, we have, you know, such a strength here that that if, if we if we do this again and again, um, I, I, I mean, Jamie has has a lot of resolve, and you have a lot of resolve. But 
eventually, if people get to the point where they're showing up and, and um, you know, EOC is saying, put the boat in and we'll find you, suddenly that, that becomes, you know, it's like, well, you know, I, I also have to look out for my own li- livelihood and other things. And, and if, if this is the way that you're going to treat me, it's going to be very hard to function in that type of environment. And that we can't have happen. I, no. I don't want that for my, my, myself. I don't want that for my family, my kids. You know, I have you know, young kids. I don't want them to grow up where uh, they have, if, if anything happens, all of a sudden something that could have been Triton Relief Group when, when they're adults was banned five years ago by right. a, a FEMA act of, you know, whatever. Why? Why? It makes no sense. Um, it, it's very frustrating. So, yes. well, Katie, as we, as we wrap up, um, one more time on um, Triton Relief Group, where people can find you online? You can find us at tritonrelief.org. If you are on Facebook, you can find us under Triton Relief, Twitter, Instagram, all of that. And um, Gary Davis is our, our president of organization. Very, very dear friend. You actually spoke with I him last Gary year. from last year, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. You know, our rescue of baby Waylon. Yes. Uh, um, so, you know, we're all over. Social media, people don't realize the power of social media. And that is the key when it comes to flood relief. And... And as Jamie had said, you know, dollars that are donated are going toward uh, diesel fuel, you know, toward um, materials needed for rescue, toward meals. Um, I'm working right now, actually. I've got some guys uh, that are in the Burgal area that uh, need diesel and 93 for their, their airboats. Okay. So that is, you know, that is where, where the money is going. And then if someone is, is, you know, listens and they're like, oh, my goodness, like I'm proximal and I, like I also have like warehouse space or something else, they can at least put it out there and say, is this something that could be a benefit or, you know, just let me know if it is. Um, and if yeah. you know, anybody has any questions, they can feel free to email me at yeah. at org as well. And I'll be more than happy to answer, answer any questions or, or direct them in the right path. So most, most people will, will hear this show um, over the airwaves. And I encourage people to also find the video version because uh, Katie has shared a number of photos with me uh, from Hurricane Florence. And, and they're all... Uh, while the photos do show the devastation, it is uh, there are no photos that that show anything that would be, um, you know, gruesome or or unsettling. Um, but I think it does get you, give you the depth when when you see, um, you know, uh, water that is literally eight inches below a roof line, and and also um, the the scaling of. Um, of, of resources in a parking lot ready to go out and, and to, to hopefully be enabled to do a rescue. Um, but the things that you, you're not seeing on TV, I mean, there's a, there's a reason, <laughs> of course, why every image you see is, is scrubbed or else you get a little bit of drone footage from one, you know, um, drone that is so far up above and giving, you know, one, one angle of whatever. Um, but, but, you know, we, if you are in a position, you know, to in these areas to to vote, and when things um, come around for elections, you know, this needs to be a topic point. Um, 
and don't forget about that because if we lose if we lose this what we lose we'll never we'll never get it back i mean that's the thing people don't realize is what is once once if if this goes away through legislation it's not going to go away because people like jamie or, or katie are going to stop doing what they're doing it, it would go away because they would be legislated out of having that ability, Absolutely. you know. Um, and if that happens, we're not going to get that that back. And we we cannot ever cross that threshold because civilian rescue forces have always historically always mobilized. Now, not with not without some, like anything, but have have mobilized, have have been very efficient. Um, have worked with the resources that have natively been there, and when the need isn't there, that they uh, disassemble and, and go back. And this is the old days when, again, we used to deputize people if we had to do like a large search, you know, like in the 1920s or 1930s and things like that. And again, ugh, we we can't get in this this political standoff in the saber rattling in in this position right. of. We are the organization that handles this, and you know we're not going to accept any um, partnership because we have we have a world of talented people out there. And I'll tell you, you know, I if <laughs> you know if if Jamie um, came knocking at my door and said, "Hey, you know, we're here for a wellness checker," like, thank you so much. You know, I'd be Bye. like, "Wow, I am I am appreciative of that." And um, the fact uh, he mentioned one, you know, during your interview that. You know the people trolling him on on social media and might you know key like his vehicle. I mean that's ridiculous. To to me, he I mean he's the he's the person I want as a neighbor. I want as a as a friend. You know that I I you know this is, and this is what we're doing as reciprocity for someone. And and hopefully Katie, you're not getting you know people saying like what are you doing with uh, you know Triton. Um, relief group and things like that because again this is so essential to what we are as a country and for saving lives and ultimately it is it is going to save it's going to cost lives if we don't facilitate this and we kind of put this remotely as cost lives well it's one thing when it it costs lives it's horrible it's one thing also if it's your brother or sister and, Mm -hmm. and these people telling the stories of if only somebody would have been there and it's like well they could have been there, but Correct. they were not allowed to be there because of X, Y, Z in bureaucracy. Absolutely. Completely unacceptable. So, Katie, thank you so much for your time this evening and, and just everything you've done with Triton Relief Group. We did learn a lot. And I think coming out of here with some positives, um, mm-hmm. the technology um, in, in Zello, um, really a lot of credit for um, progressing the technology to enable the, these rescues. And as you said, just overall with your complete network, understanding your resources and being able to coordinate that, that, that is, is, is improved significantly. Um, so I, I think, you know, that, that's the piece. If we talk to people, like they'd say, technology is not there yet and whatever. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> technology is pretty much there. This other stuff isn't there. Um, it kind of was, and then it slipped back and I don't know why. And, but like, if we don't get this under control, like it doesn't matter what kind of technology we're going to have. So, so we've, we've got a lot of potential here. We got to stop stepping on our own feet. And, and that has to start at the EOC level, uh, right up above it at the top level. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for your time tonight. And, uh, I will be in contact, uh, send any more, um, you know, photos. Um, I'd be glad to incorporate those into the, the video. 
Absolutely. I'll work, um, you know, quickly to, uh, to get some edits and to, to get this out to people. Again, everybody listening, um, check out Triton Relief Group. It is a 5013C. Um, you can make a donation, and, and those dollars are going for things like, you know, diesel, diesel fuel, for example. Um, very much needed. And, folks, this is something we need to do. We've done a lot of important shows, um, but I am saying this is so fundamental and this is decision time of, of what we need to do um, as a country because if we do not support organizations like Triton Relief Group, we are going to be in a world of hurt come a future massive sentinel disaster, whether that be a hurricane, whether it be a fire, whether it be some volcanic eruption, a terrorist attack, whatever it would be. Um, we, we, we can't do that. We're better than that. So let's be better than that katie thank you so much on behalf of the safety doc podcast for returning for another show thank you so much for having me i truly appreciate everything from last year and again this year well, we showed up. thank you katie didn't know what to do. Great National came in, dropped off all right take people. care i'll talk to you they soon. didn't know what was going on they gave us a shelter point two and a half miles up the street at St. Andrews university and lauren bird so Found out one lady's had a school bus key. We jacked the school bus and took them up there. This has been the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio show host, and leading safety expert, Dr. David Perotin. Remember to check back each week for the latest, best, and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. You can find Dr. Perotin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe.